Section two of Vice Versa by F. Anstey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Vice Versa by F. Anstey. Chapter two A Grand Transformation Scene. Maniap numinibus, vota exauta malinis paul bultitude put on his glasses to examine the stone more carefully for it was some time since he had last seen or thought about it then he looked up and said once more what use would a thing like this be to you dick would have considered it a very valuable prize indeed he could have exhibited it to admiring friends during lessons of course when it would prove to be a most agreeable distraction he could have played with it and fingered it incessantly invented astonishing legends of its powers and virtues and at last when he had grown tired of it have bargained it for any more desirable article that might take his fancy all these advantages were present to his mind in a vague shifting form but he could not find either courage or words to explain them consequently he only said awkwardly oh i don't know i should like it well anyway said paul you certainly won't have it it's worth keeping whatever it is as the only thing your uncle marmaduke was ever known to give anybody marmaduke paradine his brother-in-law was not a connection of whom he had much reason to feel particularly proud one of those persons endowed with what are known as insinuating manners and address he had after some futile attempts to enter the army been sent out to bombay as agent for a manchester firm and in that capacity had contrived to be mixed up in some more than shady transactions with rival exports and native dealers up to the country which led to an unceremonious dismissal by his employers he had brought home the stone from india as a proprietary token of remembrance more portable and less expensive than the lacquer cabinets brasses stuffs and carved work which are expected from friends at such a distance and he had been received with pardon and started once more until certain other proceedings of his shadier still had obliged paul to forbid him the house at western terrace since then little had been heard of him and the reports which reached mr bultitude of his disreputable relatives connections with the promotion of a series of companies of the kind affected by the widow and the curate and exposed in money articles and law courts gave him no desire to renew his acquaintance isn't it a talisman though said dick rather unfortunately for any hopes he might have of persuading his father to entrust him with the coveted treasure i'm sure i can't tell you yawned paul how do you mean i don't know only uncle duke once said something about it barbara heard him tell mamma i say perhaps it's like the one in scott and cures people of things though i don't think it's that sort of talisman because i tried it once on my chilblains and it wasn't a bit of good if you would only let me have it perhaps i might find out you know you might said his father dryly 
apparently not much influenced by this inducement but you won't have the chance if it has a secret i will find it out for myself he little knew how literally he was to be taken at his word and by the way there's your cab at last there was a sound of wheels outside and as dick heard them he grew desperate in his extremity a wish he had long secretly cherished unspoken without ever hoping for courage to give it words rose to his lips now he got up and moved timidly towards his father father he said there's something i want to say to you so much before i go do let me ask you now well what is it said paul make haste you haven't got much time it's this i want you to to let me leave grimstone's at the end of the term paul stared at him angrily and incredulously let you leave dr grimstone's oblige me by giving him his full title when you speak of him he said slowly why what do you mean it's an excellent school never saw better expressed prospectus in my life and my old friend bangle sir benjamin bangle who's a member of the school board and ought to know some things about schools strongly recommended it would have sent his own son there if he hadn't entered him at eton and when i pay for most of the extras for you too dancing by gad and meat for breakfast i'm sure i don't know what you would do i'd like to go to marlborough harrow or somewhere whispered dick jolland's going to harrow at easter jolland's one of the fellows at grimstone's dr grimstone's i mean and what does old bangle know about it he hasn't got to go there himself and and grimstone's jolly enough to fellows he likes but he doesn't like me he's always sitting on me for something and i hate some of the fellows there and altogether it's beastly do let me leave if you don't want me to go to a public school i i could stop at home and have a private tutor like joe twitterly it's all nonsense i tell you said paul angrily ridiculous nonsense and once for all i'll put a stop to it i don't approve of public schools for boys like you and what's more i can't afford it as for private tutors that's absurd so you will just make up your mind to stay at christian house as long as i think it proper to keep you there and there's an end of that at this final blow to all his hopes dick began to sob in a subdued hopeless kind of way which was more than his father could bear to do paul justice he had not meant to be quite so harsh when the boy was about to set out for school and a little ashamed at his irritation he sought to justify his decision he chose to do this by delivering a short homily on the advantages of school by which he might lead dick to look at the matter in the calm light of reason and common sense and commonplaces on the subject began to rise to the surface of his mind from the rather muddy depths to which they had long since sunk he began to give dick the benefit of all this stagnant wisdom with a feeling of surprise as he went on at his own powerful and original way of putting things 
now you know it's no use to cry like that he began it's uh, the usual thing of boys at school i'm quite aware to go about fancying they're very ill-used and miserable and all the rest of it just as if people in my position had their sons educated out of spite it's one of those petty troubles all boys have to go through and you mark my words my boy when they go out into the world and have real trials to put up with and grow middle-aged men like me why they see what fools they've been dick they see what fools they've been all the um the innocent games and delights of boyhood and that sort of thing you know come back to them and then they look back to those hours passed at school as the happiest ay the very happiest time of their life well said dick then i hope it won't be the happiest of mine that's all and you may have been happy at the school you went to perhaps but i don't believe you would very much care about being a boy again like me and going back to grimstone's you know you wouldn't this put paul on his mettle he had warmed well to his subject and could not let this open challenge pass unnoticed it gave him such an opening for a cheap and easy effect he still had the stone in his hand as he sank back into his chair smiling with a tolerant superiority perhaps you will believe me he said impressively when i tell you old as i am and much as you envy me i only wish at this very moment i could be a boy again like you going back to school wouldn't make me unhappy i can tell you it is so fatally easy to say more than we mean in the desire to make as strong an impression as possible well for most of us that more fortunate than mr bultitude can generally do so without fear of being taken too strictly at our word as he spoke these unlucky words he felt a slight shiver followed by a curious shrinking sensation all over him it was odd too but the armchair in which he sat seemed to have grown so much bigger all at once he felt a passing surprise but concluded it must be fancy and went on as comfortably as before i should like it my boy but what's the use of wishing i only mention it to prove that i was not speaking at random i'm an old man and you're a young boy and that being so why of course what the juice are you giggling about for dick after some seconds of half-frightened open-mouthed staring had suddenly burst into a violent fit of almost hysterical giggling which he seemed trying vainly to suppress this naturally annoyed mr bultitude and he went on with immense dignity i ah uh, i'm not aware that i've been saying anything particularly ridiculous you seem to be amused don't gasped dick it it isn't anything you're saying it's 
different. The sooner you go back to school, the better, said Paul angrily. I wash my hands of you. When I do take the trouble to give you any advice, it's received with ridicule. You always were an ill-mannered little cub. I've had quite enough of this. Leave the room, sir. The wheels must have belonged to some other cab, for none had stopped at the pavement as yet. But Mr. Bultitude was justly indignant, and could stand the interview no longer. Dick, however, made no attempt to move. He remained there choking and shaking with laughter, while his father sat stiffly on his chair, trying to ignore his son's unmannerly conduct, but only partially succeeding. No one can calmly endure watching other people laughing at him like idiots, while he is left perfectly incapable of guessing what he has said or done to amuse them. Even when this is known, it requires a particularly keen sense of humour to see the point of a joke against oneself. At last his patience gave out, and he said coldly, "'Now, perhaps, if you are quite yourself again, you will be good enough to let me know what the joke is.' Dick, looking flushed and half-ashamed, tried again and again to speak, but each time the attempt was too much for him. After a time he did succeed, but his voice was hoarse and shaken with laughter as he spoke. "'Haven't you found out yet? Go and look at yourself in the glass. It will make you roar.' There was the usual narrow sheet of plate glass at the back of the sideboard, and to this Mr. Bultitude walked almost under protest, and with a cold dignity. It occurred to him that he might have a smudge on his face, or something wrong with his collar and tie, something to account to some extent for his son's frivolous and insulting behaviour. No suspicion of the terrible truth crossed his mind as yet. Meanwhile, Dick was looking on eagerly with a chuckle of anticipation, as one who watches the dawning appreciation of an excellent joke. But no sooner had Paul met the reflection in the glass than he stared back in incredulous horror, then returned and stared again and again. Surely, surely this could not be he. He had expected to see his own familiar portly bow-windowed presence there. But somehow, look as he would, the mirror insisted upon reflecting the figure of his son, Dick. Could he possibly have become invisible, and have lost the power of casting a reflection? Or how was it that Dick, and only Dick, was to be seen there? How was it, too, when he looked round, there was the boy still sitting there? It could not be Dick, evidently, that he saw in the glass. Besides, the reflection opposite him moved when he moved, returned when he returned, copied his every gesture. He turned round upon his son with angry and yet hopeful suspicion. You, you've been playing some infernal tricks of yours on this mirror, sir, he cried fiercely. What have you done to it? Done? How could I do anything to it? As if you didn't know that. Then, stammered Paul, determined to know the worst, then do you, do you mean to tell me you can see any alteration in me? Tell me the truth now. 
I should just think I can, said Dick emphatically. It's very queer, but just look here. And he came up to the sideboard and placed himself by the side of his horrified father. Why, he said with another giggle, we're he <laughs> as like as two peas. They were indeed. The glass reflected now two small boys, each with chubby cheeks and auburn hair, both dressed too exactly alike in Eton jackets and broad white collars. The only difference to be seen between them was that while one face wore an expression of intense glee and satisfaction, the other, the one which Mr. Bultitude was beginning to fear must belong to him, was lengthened and drawn with dismay and bewilderment. Dick, said Paul faintly, what is all this? Who has been, been taking these liberties with me? I'm sure I don't know, protested Dick. It wasn't me. I believe you did it all yourself. Did it all myself? repeated Paul indignantly. Is it likely I should? It's some trickery, I tell you, some villainous plot. The worst of it is, he added plaintively, I don't understand who I'm supposed to be now. Dick, who am I? You can't be me, said Dick, because here I am, you know, and you're not yourself. That's very plain. You must be somebody else, I suppose, he added dubiously. Of course I am. What do you mean? said Paul angrily. Never mind who I am. I feel just the same as I always did. Tell me when you first began to notice any change. Could you see it coming on at all, eh? It was all at once, just as you were talking about school and all that. You said you only wished. Why, of course. Look here. It must be the stone that did it. Stone? What stone? said Paul. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. The Garuna stone. You've got it in your hand still. Don't you see? It's a real talisman after all. How jolly! I didn't do anything to set it off. And besides, oh, it's perfectly absurd. How can there be such things as talismans nowadays, eh? Tell me that. Well, something's happened to you, hasn't it? And it must have been done somehow, argued Dick. I was holding the confounded thing, certainly, said Paul. Here it is. But what could I have said to start it? What has it done this to me for? I know, cried Dick. Don't you remember? You said... You wished you were a boy like me, and so you are, you see, exactly like me. What a lark it is, isn't it? But I say, you can't go up to business like that, you know. Can you? I tell you what, you'd better come to Grimstone's with me now and see how you like it. I shouldn't mind so much if you came too. Grimstone's face would be splendid when he saw two of us do come. That's ridiculous nonsense you're talking, said Paul, and you know it. What should I do at school at my age? I tell you I'm the same as I ever was inside. 
though i may have shrunk into a little rascally boy to look at and it's simply an abominable nuisance dick that's what it is why on earth couldn't you let the stone alone just see what mischief you've done by meddling now put me to all this inconvenience you shouldn't have wished said dick wished echoed mr bultitude why to be sure he said with a flash of hopefulness of course i never thought of that the thing's a wishing stone it must be you have to hold it i suppose and then say what you wish aloud and there you are if that's the case i can soon put it right by simply wishing myself back again i i shall have a good laugh at all this by and by i know i shall he took the stone and got into a corner by himself where he began repeating the words i wish i was back again i wish i was the man i was five minutes ago i wish all this had not happened and so on until he was very exhausted and red in the face he tried with the stone held in his left hand as well as his right sitting and standing under all the various conditions he could think of but absolutely nothing came of it he was just as exasperatingly boyish and youthful as ever at the end of it i don't like this he said at last giving it up with rather a crestfallen air it seems to me that this diabolical invention has got out of order somehow i can't make it work any more perhaps suggested dick who had shown throughout the most unsympathetic cheerfulness perhaps it's one of those talismans that only gives you one wish and you've had it you know then it's all over groaned paul what the deuce am i to do what shall i do suggest something for heaven's sake don't stand cackling there in that unfeeling manner can't you see what a terrible mess i've got into suppose only suppose your sister or one of the servants were to come in and see me like this this suggestion simply enchanted dick let's have em all up he laughed it would be such fun how they will laugh when we tell them he rushed to the bell touch that bell if you dare screamed paul i won't be seen in this condition by anybody what on earth could have induced that scoundrel uncle of yours to bring such a horrible thing as this over i can't imagine i never heard of such a situation as this in my life i can't stay like this you know it's not to be thought of i i wonder whether it would be any use to send over to dr bustard and ask him to step in he might give me something to bring me round but then the whole neighbourhood would hear about it if i don't see my way out of this soon i shall go raving mad and he paced restlessly up and down the room with his brain on fire all at once 
as he became able to think more coherently there occurred to him a chance slender and desperate enough but still a chance of escaping even yet the consequences of his folly he was forced to conclude that however improbable and fantastic it might appear in this rationalistic age there must be some hidden power in this garuda stone which had put him in this present very unpleasant position it was plain too that the virtues of the talisman refused to extend themselves any more at his bidding but it did not follow that in another's hands the spell would remain as powerless at all events it was an experiment well worth the trial and he lost no time in explaining the notion to dick who by the sparkle in his eyes and suppressed excitement in his manner seemed to think there might be something in it i may as well try he said give it to me take it my dear boy said paul with a paternal air that sorely tried dick's recovered gravity it contrasted so absurdly with his altered appearance take it and wish your poor old father himself again dick took it and held it thoughtfully for some moments while paul waited in nervous impatience isn't it any use he said dolefully at last as nothing happened i don't know said dick calmly i haven't wished yet then do so at once said paul fussily do so at once there's no time to waste every moment is of importance your cab will be here directly although i'm altered in this ridiculous way i hope i still retain my authority as a father and as a father by gad i expect you to obey me sir oh all right said dick indifferently you may keep the authority if you like then do what i tell you can't you see how urgent it is that a scandal like this shouldn't get about i should be the laughing stock of the city not a soul must ever guess that such a thing has happened you must see that yourself yes said dick who all this time was sitting on a corner of the table swinging his legs i see that it will be all right i'm going to wish in a minute and no one will guess there has been anything the matter that's a good boy said paul much relieved i know your heart is in the right place only do make haste i suppose dick asked when you are yourself again things will go on just as usual i i hope so i mean you will go on sitting here and i shall go off to grimstone's of course of course said paul don't ask so many questions i'm sure you quite understand what has to be done so get on we might be found like this any minute that settles it said dick any fellow would do it after that yes yes but you're so slow about it don't be in a hurry said dick 
you mayn't like it after all when i've done it then what said mr bultitude sharply struck by something sinister and peculiar in the boy's manner well i don't mind telling you said dick it's fairer you see you wished to be a boy just like me didn't you i didn't mean it protested paul ah you couldn't expect a stone to know that at any rate it made you into a boy like me directly now if i wish myself a man just like you were ten minutes ago before you took the stone that will put things all right again won't it is the boy mad cried paul horrified at this proposal why why that would be worse than ever i don't see that objected dick stubbornly no one would know anything about it then but you little blockhead can't i make you understand it won't do at all we should both of us be wrong then each with the other's frame each with the other's personal appearance well said dick blandly i shouldn't mind that but i should i mind very much i object strongly to such a such a preposterous arrangement and what's more i wouldn't have it do you hear i forbid you to think of any such thing give me back that stone i can't trust you with it after this i can't help it said dick doggedly you've had your wish and i don't see why i shouldn't have mine i mean to have it too i mean to have it too why you unnatural little rascal i mean to have it too why you unnatural little rascal cried the justly enraged father do you mean to defy me i tell you i will have that stone give it up this instant he made a movement towards his son as if he meant to recover the talisman by main force but dick was too quick for him slipping off the table with great agility he planted himself firmly on the hearth-rug with the hand that held the stone clenched behind his back and the other raised in self-defence i'd much rather you wouldn't make me hit you you know he said because in spite of what's happened you're still my father i suppose but if you interfere with me before i've done with this stone i'm afraid i shall have to punch your head mr bultitude retreated a few steps apprehensively feeling himself no match for his son except in size and general appearance and for some moments of really frightful intensity they stood panting on the hearth-rug each cautiously watching the other on his guard against stratagem and surprise it was one of those painful domestic scenes which are fortunately rare between father and son overhead the latest rollicking french polka was being rattled out with a savage irony of which pianos even by the best makers can at times be capable suddenly dick drew himself up stand out of my way he cried excitedly 
I am going to do it. I wish I was a man like you were just now. And as he spoke, Mr. Bultitude had the bitterness of seeing his unscrupulous son swell out like the frog in the fable, till he stood there before him the exact duplicate of what Paul had so lately been. The transformed Dick began to skip and dance round the room in high glee with as much agility as his increased bulk would allow. "'It's all right, you see,' he said. "'The old stone's as good as ever. You can't say anyone would ever know to look at us.' And then he threw himself panting into a chair, and began to laugh excitedly at the success of his unprincipled manoeuvres. As for Paul, he was perfectly furious at having been so outwitted and overreached. It was a long time before he could command his voice sufficiently to say, savagely, "'Well, you've had your way, and a pretty mess you've made of it. We're both of us in false positions now. I hope you're satisfied, I'm sure.' Do you think you'll care about going back to Christian House in that state? No, said Dick very decidedly. I'm quite sure I shouldn't. Well, I can't help it. You've brought it on yourself, and provided the doctor sees no objection to take you back as you are and receive you as one of his pupils, I shall most certainly send you there. Paul did not really mean this. He only meant to frighten him. For he still trusted that by letting Bowler into the secret, the charm might be set in motion once more, and the difficulty comfortably overcome. But his threat had a most unfortunate effect upon Dick. It hardened him to take a course he might otherwise have shrunk from. "'Oh,' he said, "'you're going to do that. But doesn't it strike you that things are rather altered with us now?' "'They are, to a certain extent, of course,' said Paul, "'through my folly and your wicked cunning. But a word or two of explanation from me—' you'll find it will take more explanation than you think but of course you can try if you think it worth while when you get to grimstone's when i i don't understand when i what did you say gasped paul why you see explained dick it would never have done for us both to go back. The chaps would have humbugged us so. And as I hate the place, and you seem so fond of being a boy and going back to school and that, I thought perhaps it would be best for you to go and see how you liked it. I never will. I'll not stir from this room. I dare you to try to move me, cried Paul and just then there was the sound of wheels outside once more. They stopped before the house. The bell rang sharply. 
the long-expected cab had come at last you've no time to lose said dick get your coat on mr bultitude tried to treat the affair as a joke he laughed a ghastly little laugh ha ha you've fairly caught your poor father this time you've proved him in the wrong i admit i said more than i exactly meant but that's enough don't drive a good joke too far shake hands and let us see if we can't find a way out of this but dick only warmed his coat-tails at the fire as he said with a very ungracious reminiscence of his father's manner you are going back to an excellent establishment where you will enjoy all the comforts of home i can specifically recommend the stick jaw look out for it on tuesdays and fridays you will once more take part in the games and lessons of happy boyhood did you ever play chevy when you were a boy before you'll enjoy chevy and you will find your companions easy enough to get on with if you don't give yourself airs they won't stand airs now good-bye my boy and bless you paul stood staring stupidly at this outrageous assumption he could scarcely believe yet that it was meant in cruel earnest before he could answer the door opened and bowler appeared he had a deal of trouble to find a cab sir on a night like this he said to the false dick but the luggage is all on top and the man says there's plenty of time still good-bye then my boy said dick with well-assumed tenderness but a rather dangerous light in his eye my compliments to the doctor remember paul turned indignantly from him to the butler he at least would stand by him bowler would not see a master who had always been fair if not indulgent to him driven from his home in this cold-blooded manner he made two or three attempts to speak for his brain whirled so with scathing burning things to say he would expose the fraud then and there and defy the impudent usurper he would warn everyone against this spurious pinchbeck imitation of himself the whole household should be summoned and called upon to judge between the two no doubt if he had had enough self-command to do all this effectually while dick had as yet not had time thoroughly to adapt himself to his altered circumstances he might have turned the situation at the outset and spared himself some very painful experiences but it is very often precisely those words which are the most vitally important to be said that refuse to pass our lips on a sudden emergency we feel all the necessity of saying something at once but the necessary words unaccountably desert us at the critical moment mr bultitude felt himself in this unfortunate position 
he made more wild efforts to explain but the sense of his danger only petrified his mind instead of stimulating it then he was spared further conflict a dark mist rose before his eyes the walls of the room receded into an infinite space and with a loud singing in his ears he fell and seemed to him to be sinking down down through the earth to the very crust of the antipodes then the blackness closed over him and he knew no more end of chapter 2